This is the Roaring Elephant podcast. And as always, I'm joined by my, as he says himself, not good but ready co-host, Dave. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Hello, Jan. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. The year is going on. The pandemic is still running rampant. I'm still in my home office. So if you want to know more, a couple of episodes ago, we had a three-parter with Rodolphe from uh, Remotive.io on the whole subject. So if you haven't listened to those yet, have a listen. Indeed. Indeed. Well, in that case, let's let's expand our, our global information or even global misinformation and get into it. Yep, we've got some articles this week, and the first one is a column, it's from the register, so take that with whatever grain of salt you want to do. But the, mm -hmm. the subject was kind of good. It's titled, How We Come Up Mass Global Misinformation, How About Making the Article a Little Harder to Use, the Internet a Little Harder to Use, excuse me. And it's basically an article about how it becomes hard, if not impossible, to actually find information factual information, reliable information, when you're trying to figure something out and how this has gotten worse over time to a point where today it's easier to get a lie to than to get some truth. What do you think? I mean, without diving too much into the glorious world of, of politics, um, <laughs> right. like the amount of disclaimers i guess that have started to pop up around social media like all of a sudden over the last year many of the organizations responsible for almost steering popular public opinion uh, like they've had to actually step up and and not just say oh yeah we're just a uh, a free speech platform anyone can say anything and they've actually had to start putting some form of uh, health warnings, <laughs> shall we say, on on word. some of the Not views and opinions that people are expressing. Um, and and so yeah, that's obviously something that started uh, across you know, various social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook and others, but. Are, are we at the point where actually that 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 sort of uh, that level of of scrutiny or I don't know rigor or whatever it is needs to be applied to everything you view online? Like, do you need a do you need a what's the trust level of this web page I'm reading kind of plugin? Well, we are in the age of political correctness, so it's all getting overblown a little bit, in my opinion. And even with the solution you suggest, there's a problem. Because that little plugin that tells me that information XYZ is trustworthy, How who's going to check that plugin thing? The thing that I'm always... I mean, I'm old. I'll admit it, I'm old. And That's nothing is new yeah. in this world. Because this exact same problem existed a hundred years ago with newspapers, which were sponsored <laughs> by political affiliations, religious affiliations, and had that same bias thing built in there. Mm. And how did we solve it then? Well, we either didn't, and we had the masses of the people doing dumb things, or we read papers from both sides and made up our own damn minds. Why don't we do that today? Well, 
That's a that's a good question. Thank you. And the answer is I don't know. I was, or at I least my answer is I don't know. But do you think some of this is? I mean the the. The sort of the the joke is always don't trust anything you don't trust everything you read on the internet. Like, but the, I think there is a certain, you know, for those of us that have been using it for some time, that that's just sort of ingrained in our um, behavior. A lot of times is to question what we read, and you you even mentioned this on a, an earlier episode. You know, you want to. If you're looking at a news article, you want to go and see like who wrote it, what's their affiliation, you know, where where did where do their views come from? Is you know what perhaps what are their biases aligned towards or against to make sure that you know that whatever is being portrayed is is an accurate representation rather than something that's too heavily um, skewed in one direction or another. But this is just. I think there's people don't necessarily think about the information that they're consuming in the same way as if they're just you know viewing a, a web page or a browser. If it's in an app on their phone that they're you know permanently connected to twenty four by seven, um, this this application, especially you know during current times, but even previously, you know, people have been in lockdown there their mobile devices have been the thing that have kept them connected to the rest of the world in, in many cases. And I think that's had a huge impact on people's reliance on the news and the information. I'm not sure if I would go with reliance. It's more that people have a lot more time to do it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you're sitting at home, you, you work for an hour and you take a little break, you take your phone, you start doing something. There's no colleagues to talk to. So, it's easier. I think easier is actually a keyword here because the mm. whole thing, I'm going to be uh, Dr. Jon psychologist for a second now. I'm not a psychologist. Uh, instant <laughs> gratification and laziness coupled together with the internet make for a very bad combination. Mm. Couple that with the fact that people want to get confirmation of things they already think they know. It's very easy now to do a search on the internet and get the confirmation you're craving immediately, directly, nicely formulated and if you don't put in the work which fights that whole laziness easiness uh, concept mm -hmm. to figure out if the facts are correct you just become part of the problem and that's i think that the pandemic has accentuated even further this simple feedback loop from i think a let's see if a is correct i see a is correct okay c i knew a was correct so b must be correct too right and that's how, how yeah, mass hysteria almost, I'd say, uh, has its cause. I mean, yeah, I mean, look at uh, the, this is, uh, the, we hate politics and on this show, but still the storming of the Capitol in uh, of that yeah. building in the, in the US there. I mean, what the, uh, putting your expletive here, that was mm. amazing on a socioeconomic level. That was, wow. Yeah. Um. So if took it too far, didn't I? <laughs> well, no, I just yeah, I I don't even know. I still to this day don't even know how to process what happened there. <laughs> just it it completely blows my mind. Um, yeah, in in many different ways. 
but so there's a few things that sort of bounce around my head when I think about this. One is um, something a very good friend of mine often says that I've repeated many times on this uh, on this podcast over the years is that you know, common sense isn't very common. And I think that that's one thing that uh, seems to continually come back to to bite us as a as a species and as a as a race. The other thing is okay, so you know you could potentially there's a good business to be made in having some sort of uh, some sort of plug-in or some sort of infrastructure behind that gives you some sort of level of, of trust. But then as exactly as you say, like who watches the watchers, who trusts, you know, how do you, you, you then end up with multiple ones of those. One, one which, you know, if you're looking politics, one which leans to the far right, one which leans to the far left, and one which probably says we should all be disappearing off to Mars in flying spoons. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, just interrupt you <laughs> but, there for a second, but that's yeah, again go. a uh, lazy solution. Have somebody else make the decision for you. Bad idea. Well, yeah, but I, if, if people aren't going to put the work in, then what, what can you do? I, I, nothing. I don't... Nothing. <laughs> so the, the, other, the other sort of interesting comment that came up in the article that I thought was hilarious was... Um, they they mention um, sort of the, there's a, a word sort of a phrase there. Google can't write an algorithm to fix that. It can only curate its way towards knowledge. That was the founding principle of Yahoo, which started life as a curated index of everything on the web. Um, <laughs> it brings us back to a simpler time, shall we say? But I. It again, your does that you know if you if you were to go down any one of these routes, like you lessen the the value of the internet in in so many ways. Like the for me, some of the value is it's not just big corp um, and uh, multi corp that are out there on the internet shilling their views of of everything. It's the fact that you can have, um, you know, stay-at-home dad and, you know, uh, independent, I don't know, biologist and any other random people with whatever roles they're, they're doing in the world, you know, out there on the internet talking about things that they just happen to know about. Um, uh, and sharing their, sharing their knowledge and views. Now... You, you you still, you know, I read a lot of blogs around a variety of different topics and I get a huge amount of value from those, mostly in the technology space, but not all of them. And, you know, seeing what other people have done, what's worked, what hasn't worked. You know, YouTube's a great example of that. If you want to learn anything or want to learn how to do anything badly, <laughs> YouTube's <laughs> the place to go. But also if you spend enough time learning how to do things really well, and then obviously you ideally need to then put that into practice, although it is much easier just to carry on watching YouTube videos yeah. of people that do things really well. <laughs> Cat pictures. Um, but I, I don't, this is, this is something I don't think there is a good solution to. Like uh, there's, there's no, there's no kind of silver bullet for this beyond yeah. 
yeah, putting the time in to understand what's good, what's not, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Yeah, and there's also, but while you're talking there, I had in my mind, there's two aspects of the problem. On the one hand, it's the availability of the information. And mm -hmm. you're right, every stay-at-home dad or mom, son, daughter, whatever, granddad, can put stuff on the internet these days. The second part is discoverability. Mm -hmm. And the discoverability is the thing that causes the problems because all the algorithms that are built in YouTube and Google, uh, search engine optimization, all that stuff are built to make the most populous things come up because those are mm. the most popular articles. And they are not the articles from the stay-at-home dad, which doesn't ever get the amount of visibility on the web pages he has. I mean, uh, we, we see it here today. Uh, we've got the blog from Drawing Elephants that has a let's call it reasonable amount of visitors. I've got my mm -hmm. own little personal blog along the side, which at some point had a lot of visitors because I apparently put something out that people wanted to read about, but usually gets no visitors at all because basically it doesn't pop up in those social mm. media things encompassing the whole search, Twitter, Facebook, whatever things. And that's why we have to be careful for because if we make Twitter and Facebook the curators of our, con of our content, I'm not entirely sure that that's the right way to go. I, actually, I think that way leads to hell. Personally, <laughs> but it's just that's that's my own personal opinion. Yeah, but again, as you said, what's the solution? Well, mm. for me, the solution I found is I start following. Let's call them influencers. I mean, I follow a couple of YouTube channels, follow a couple of blogs, a couple of Twitter accounts. And when I follow a new blog or a new YouTube channel, I first give them like three months of, okay, tell me how you think about the world. And then I decide to keep following them. And if they say A is B, okay, probably. And, but again, it's putting an effort, making sure that yeah. you curate. It's one thing to have external curators curate things for you. Again, adds more bias. You have to be creation yourself and people have to learn to think for themselves again. And it's so easy these days not to think for yourself anymore. Sorry about the negativism here, but it's, it's one of our defining human characteristics. The, the, the simple fact of making your, uh, making up your, your own, whatever mind mm. <laughs> to keep it clean. And that's something that's a power that people have that is vastly underused and underappreciated. Yeah. So sorry for that. <laughs> well, let's let's move on from that particular topic and instead talk about something that I absolutely love, which is cookies. I love cookies. I'm a huge fan of cookies. Oh, wait, this isn't that kind of cookie. No, oh. no chocolate chip in these. Oh, <laughs> this is disappointing. <laughs> well, I guess we can talk about this anyway. Um, privacy. I mean, the illusion of privacy, at least, mm -hmm. is uh, is is stepping ever so slightly in the right direction, at least for those that are using GitHub, who say that they're going to stop using all non-essential cookies. So all of the tracking cookies, ad tracking cookies, all of the sort of related paraphernalia around that that scatters almost every single website that people view. I know 
quite some time ago, Yong, you you sort of uh, shared some of the cookie tracking, and we talked about some of the cookie tracking technologies that are out there, and just how horribly interlinked it all is, and just oh god, I feel ill just uh, just even thinking about it's it to help you. Yes, <laughs> um, but yeah, the GitHub are, are taking the direction of why don't we just simplify this to only using cookies for things that are essential to our service? Um, yeah. I can only guess that they're they're making enough revenue off of what they're doing that they don't need the uh, the advertisers to uh, chip in quite so heavily now since the uh, the Microsoft acquisition maybe, and uh, it's it's a it's a real kind of breath of fresh air in the especially given the, the previous topic we were talking about. Guess what? I'm going to be cynical. Oh, that's a surprise. <laughs> now, you did mention the Microsoft attack there, and that's an important thing to consider mm. first, I think, before we go deep in here, because this is not just some successful little startup that's making a stand. This is a mega trillion dollar blockbuster of a company allowing this to happen on one of their subsidiaries or daughter companies, whatever they want to do them. Even if they're mm. separate entities, and I do believe Microsoft does give GitHub their own authorization, leadership, whatever, mm. it's still part of the mothership and this had to be okay by them. The thing where the cynicism comes up is, uh, you say they must be making enough money to be able to do this. Uh, I think that's a bad way of reasoning because no company on the world ever makes enough money to decide that they will stop making even more money. That's not how <laughs> commercial things work. That's not how it, that's, sorry, I, I can't get that. For me, this is a pretty genius marketing step. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, it's technologically interesting for them because they can get rid of all the cookie banners, which are a yep. bane of my existence. And I will use sites more easily, more often, if they don't have the cookie banner, because I've got a browser that doesn't store cookies anyway, so I get the banner every single time I visit the website. I have to say, no, it's the bad part of having cookie blocker stuff. But I think this is more of a reaction on, well, the example I just gave, browsers that by default block cookies. Apple, yep. again, Apple is not a brilliant, fantastic, we're the best <laughs> people in the world. They're a business. Paragons of excellence. <laughs> but they're also putting <laughs> them some stuff in their uh, Safari browser and the operating system itself to start blocking yeah. cookies. The whole, the era of the cookie, except the chocolate chip cookies, which you love so well, mm -hmm. has passed. It is no longer the way to do things because legislation finally kicked in. People are kicking in and we're not accepting anymore. There's enough ways, easy ways of blocking them anyway that at this point, I would be surprised if cookies actually do garner any kind of revenue that is equal to the amount of effort that needs to be put in place to have the cookie panels and all that stuff work. Mm, yeah. I, the, the thing that is, you know, I, I have to unfortunately agree with you on, uh -huh. and there's a comment right at the end of the, of the article, in fact, that, uh, that says, is it... Uh, if cookies do go out of, fas of fashion, expect whatever replaces them to raise a different set of privacy concerns, which I think is, like, 
you know, this particular technology, it's it does seem like is sunsetting, as you say. Like Google have even put uh, a set of um, proposals what they call their privacy sandbox. Although many people seem to have um, laughed that out of uh, <laughs> out of out of everywhere. Um, but yeah, there's there's no there's no sort of glorious post tracking world where everything is free and open and wonderful again. Like that's just not, it's not the world that we, uh, we live in now and it won't be the world that we live in in the future. There's just going to be a different method that methodology that people go through to, in order to try and do what they currently do through cookies. Yeah. And also don't forget at devil's advocate here, cookies also gave us something mm -hmm. pretty much everything on the internet that's free to use in Google Maps is there because of cookie generated revenue. Yep. If the cookies disappear, I'm pretty sure those free services will disappear as well. Not the service, but the free part. <laughs> mm. So it's going to be a choice and maybe we will end up with a kind of an opt-in society. I want free yep. stuff and I don't care about privacy or no, I'm going to pay you $2 a month to be able to use your service and I don't give you privacy going to yep. be some problematic uh, things around how um, how am I sure that if I pay, I don't get tracked. I mean, there's ways yep. of making that happen. But cookies changed the world dramatically. Mm -hmm. The removal of cookies, unless they get replaced by something that's pro probably just as bad, <laughs> <laughs> is also going to change the world. And yep. it's up to us, I guess, to decide which kind of world we want to live in. Personally, I want a Star Trek world where money doesn't work or doesn't exist, although they do have cold press latinum after all, so I guess they still have money on. I don't know. That's why I'm cynical. We're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, it's it's a it's a it's a nice and interesting step in the right direction. Um, but it is just that. It's a tiny shuffle. Um, it's a don't we'll expect see if it's the right direction. Yeah, don't don't expect to necessarily see um, yeah everything to completely change from this point onwards. Yeah, yeah, I do like the, the 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 subtitle of the article. Privacy turns out to be fairly easy. It kind of misses a sarcasm banner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it needs a big flashing. It needs to be in like marquee or something like that. Possibly blink. Uh, that, on the other hand, there's one thing, I'm not sure when I read that, but a big, I don't know which company it was anymore, but they were going to stop doing targeted advertising. They were going to go back to just generic, put whatever ads on top of whatever it is, maybe an article that fits the article, uh, an advertisement that fits the article where you place it next to. I mean, mm. I always love reading an article about quantum mechanics and having a, I don't know, fishing tackle advertisement next to it. I don't fish. No, you can buy, buy, buy your quantum mechanics handbook surely quantum mechanics banner yeah no no I mean, it totally because the ads i'm seeing are based on my previous browsing stuff and not on the thing i'm looking at i mean is it so hard to fantasize that if i'm reading an article on uh, podcasting that i might be interested in podcasting hardware software stuff regardless of what i was looking at yesterday <laughs> Ridiculous. Why? No chance that that would ever be true. I 
<laughs> yeah, well. No, makes perfect sense to me, but then lots of things make perfect sense to me and still don't exist in the real world, so who knows. All right, well, let's uh, let's take a quick little little trip down memory lane then for your for our final little article of the day. Yeah, I just want to do a little shout out to my ex-colleagues at Sursara here in the Netherlands, uh, the people from the supercomputers. They've just announced this week that they're going to be putting in a new supercomputer on their big data center. And I uh, just want to have a little shout out that, uh, yeah, congratulations, guys. I think uh, Cartesius, the old one, was there since 2015, no, even earlier than that, 2013, looks like, yeah. So they were they were up for a, for a renewal, let's say. And let's hope it all gets uh, run out well and on schedule, which is always a hard thing to do. So good luck, guys, and congratulations. Second thing to note here is it's an AMD one, mm. which is a first. I was just looking at the some of the the stats for this. How many? I see how many calls i don't see how many nodes yeah they haven't this article doesn't really show much and didn't want to go too much mm. depth here but uh there's big, the bigger articles out there i mean there's one if you're yeah. in the netherlands tweakers has an article on it so feel free to uh, read up on that one but it's it's a pretty big one actually i mean by european standards if you compare it to mm. the big uh, us things it's still going to be small but uh, they're going to be up in the tops again it's kind of interesting that they they, they kind of went from uh, power tens to amd because the old cartesius if i'm not mistaken no the cartesius was already a intel system the one yeah, before that was a Xeon power 10 systems yeah the one before that was power 10 that was uh, mm. i forget the name the whole hardware world is also shifting around a lot especially in the high hpc world which we don't really hear that much about to be honest yeah yeah, it there's 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 the uh, rise and rise of all things AMD at the moment. Um, and Intel, ARM. yeah, Intel having been caught on the back foot on both sides on on the the sort of low power high performance side with ARM um, taking fairly some starting to take some chunks out of them and on the uh, high power um high performance side with uh, with amd um making some fairly significant inroads so yeah intel i i, I it's difficult to feel um uh, particularly concerned about them they're still a massive organization <laughs> doing very very nicely thank oh, yeah. you very much um but uh, yeah no interesting times for all this kind of hardware it's good times whenever things change it means it's good because sometimes things yep. change for the worse but they always get better afterwards and by correlation if it gets better it'll get worse afterwards <laughs> but things changing if it doesn't change stagnation is always bad which yep. intel is feeling very hard now and i have no loyalty towards amd i mean at the moment my pc is an amd cpu why because it was the best bang for the buck mm -hmm. and if next generation intel goes up i'll probably go back to intel but it's good that things change it's good that things evolve indeed well, in that case, unless there's anything else from you. No, I think I will. enough cynicism and sarcasm for this week for a poor listener. So let's uh, <laughs> let them go. 
In that case, that's all the time we have for today. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Every contribution helps. We're on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, do all the YouTube things. Uh, Please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page. And for more information about this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag. Finally, if you are that way inclined, you can send feedback, thoughts, and even episode ideas to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is Dave. And my name is... Wait till I click on the cookie banner first. Jon. And we'll speak to you next week. Without cookies. Damn it. Cookies. See you there.